smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Beautifully done, sensational. Hello and welcome along to the latest edition of Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. Happy New Year, everybody. Um, we're delighted to be back. Just a short winter break in France. We're going to be back in the thick of the Ligue 1 action already this Wednesday night. Um, but an opportunity today to... Um, to look ahead, to look ahead to what promises to be a very exciting second half to the season. Uh, welcome uh, alongside me, Robbie Thompson. How are you, Robbie? Very well, Matthew. Happy New Year. I was about to say happy birthday. Not yet. Happy New Year, everyone, and, and to all the listeners. Yeah, it looks like a very exciting Ligue 1 uh, second half of the season. So plenty to look forward to in 2021. It can't be as bad as 2020 was. Well, let's hope not. Did you have a good break, Robbie? Did you manage to? to I did to... have a good break, although one of my I was I was a bit uh, surprised when I when I woke up on the morning of the twenty fourth before Christmas to to see that Thomas Tuchel had been uh, shown the door, and uh, just last weekend, in between then and last weekend, when I met the new man in charge, um, yeah, an interesting interesting week football wise, and uh, looking forward to to starting afresh. Yeah, we're going to be talking Tuchel and Pochettino in uh, the next uh, hour or so. Alongside me as well, uh, Armel Tanki. Hopefully your Christmas was better than Thomas Tuchel's. Morning. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, yeah, my Christmas was all right. I managed to sneak back to the UK and avoid the mutants. Sorry, mutated virus. So I'm back here now. Um, yeah, feeling all right. Looking forward to the end of the season. Good news, good news, Robbie. Shall we start with uh, with Paris Saint Germain? It has been eventful. Um, PSG finished the first—I mean, it's not really the first half of the season—the first seventeen rounds of matches in third place. That's obviously lower uh, than they would like, but they're only a point behind Lyon and Lille. Lyon, uh, the winter champions, after uh, their victory in, in in round seventeen against Nantes, winning by more goals than Lille uh, managed to win by against Montpellier. Um, but yeah, it's incredibly tight at the top. PSG obviously felt it was time to make the change. You said, Robbie, um, you, were, you were surprised. Thomas Tuchel, he had six months left on his contract. Um, we know that just four or five months ago, he got them to a Champions League final. Absolutely. And I think, I think once everyone acknowledges the fact that probably Thomas Tuchel was not going to have his contract renewed, which was what well, the fact that he was out of contract at the end of this season... I think uh, the club, the, the club owners and, and the sporting director, Leonardo, decided either we see out this season and, and bring in a new man or, or woman at the start of next year, but or we make the, the break now, we bring in a new man, no pressure for the, for the last six months of this season, a bonus in the Champions League if something can happen. The, the squad obviously has the experience and the, and the talent to do something in the Champions League if everything comes together, a la Di Matteo or Zidane when he first took over as well. So, look, I, I think there was nothing for them to lose in bringing in Pochettino at this stage except financially. And that was one of the reasons why I didn't think they'd necessarily 
change coach is because you have to pay out the the outgoing coach and bring in a new coach and there's a a financial charge to that and we know that these are very difficult times for for French football clubs and football clubs all over the world. Yeah, I mean, you say uh, no pressure, Pochettino's coming in now. Uh, we'll talk about that in, in a moment. I would question the the, the suggestion that, there, that there's not so much pressure. I feel like, like there is. But before we talk about that, Armel, um, looking back at the two and a half years Thomas Tuchel had, he stormed to two league titles. They crashed out of the Champions League in his first season against Manchester United. That was a massive blow. Um, but then, of course, the excellent run beating Dortmund and then getting into the final eight and going all the way to the final. But it's been tense, hasn't it, the, l- the last few months? He hasn't seen eye-to-eye with uh, the sporting director, Leonardo. And just in the way he's been communicating, I've felt that he has been at odds, if not with Leonardo, then um, with the football club, you know, on a certain level. Were you as surprised as as, as, uh, as Robbie? <laughs> Uh, perhaps not as surprised as Robbie because I I tend to think PSG always makes strange moves here and there. But to see him go mid-season with with Paris on course in the Champions League and a point behind in Ligue 1, yeah, it's a bit surprising, isn't it? I agree with you that um, his communication in in recent months, at least since the start of this season, has all been a bit tiresome really kind of oh my, my players are exhausted I've got too many injuries it's like yeah well, so does every other coach mate deal with it um and you sounded I, a bit like Ricky Gervais then in, in, really? in the office yeah yeah I am feeling a bit cynical and yeah <laughs> anyway um yeah uh I, I I do feel like there was a lack of positivity surrounding Thomas Tuchel in, in recent months and hopefully a breath of fresh air and a, a new confident smile will co- will come to the Parc des Princes with with Pochettino. But I, I think it's a bit of a shame because Thomas Tuchel was a, was a real character, um, and that's something that we haven't always seen in in Paris Saint Germain managers. I mean, of course, Unai Emery is a character, but perhaps not in the same way uh, that Thomas Tuchel is. He brought personality to that team, and as I say or said anyway, every time I was asked about Tuchel, I, I liked the way. He he dealt with his relationship with the players, and it'll be interesting to see now how how Pochettino herds his sheep, because uh, because I, I like the way Thomas Tuchel did it, and yeah, I think it's a bit of a shame to see him gone, but that's football, isn't it? I think you're, it is it is a shame that is football. That's what Kylian Mbappe said in his in his tweet. These are the rules of football, and I think that's a another talking point because it is it just football where someone you work with for three years is told they're they're no longer required and they leave the next day and the next day you don't you don't see them ever again or there's no period or it's pretty brutal you know, isn't it, it? it is brutal on in that respect but to say that he it's a tiresome communication from him this season i think that's a little bit unfair because what he said was was the case and you can say yeah other teams have injuries as well but the other teams that have been playing in the champions league have the injuries and they're struggling as well. And it's a, a valid reason why these teams are struggling, these teams that didn't have any pre-season. The teams that aren't playing in European football or that weren't involved in the final eight or the two cup finals in the end of July, uh, start of August, which were Lyon, Paris Saint-Germain, Saint-Étienne, apart from that, had no pre-season, didn't finish last season, 
They've they've been playing an awful lot of football. But you can understand, football. Robbie. I, I I get all that. But you can understand that when you're a league. But there are reasons. They're valid reasons yeah, they're valid why reasons. the team has been struggling. But when and you're struggling, league... qualified for the last yeah. sixteen of the Champions League and one point off top spot. But when you're a league on club and you have the uh, the sort of squad that Paris Saint Germain yeah. has, mm. you can probably understand how it might grate on the Dijon manager or whoever they're playing next when he's saying, "All oh, my players are so tired and it's so difficult." And what I what I feel and what I felt. From early October. But that's when, a problem for the Dijon manager then. When Thomas Tuchel, Robbie, when Thomas Tuchel came out and said, um, we are a weaker squad than last year. We can't do as, uh, you know, as we can't be expected to do as well this season. You know, I, I realise it was clearly a, 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 a jab towards Leonardo before the transfer yeah, window yeah. closed that he was saying, listen, we haven't replaced Thiago Silva. We haven't replaced Cavani. We need to get, get players in. But for me... A PSG manager who says that makes his position untenable because since the Qataris took over at PSG in 2011, they've had this club has had to move forward every year at quite at quite a rate. So to say, well, actually, we've taken a step back this year. You're you're firing shots at the football club, I think, and yeah. not and not just you know. For, for me, he was walking on thin ice, borrowed yeah. time, whatever whatever you want to say from that well, moment. I, on. I wasn't referring to those comments when I was saying his 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 reasons or excuses as has been put forward were were valid. No, there he's taking pot shots at the club. He he was looking for for other reasons to explain why things were difficult. And we saw um his assistant coach, Zolt Love, come out uh yesterday or the day before speaking to Hungarian media and saying that they the players weren't replaced, they weren't listened to during the summer transfer window, the the players they lost were were not replaced, so it was a a difficult situation. That is the coach having yeah settling his scores with the with with the club in public personality. It's, yeah, it's exactly. what I was I saying. Think and- but don't forget, Leonardo came in. The coach was already there, and a sporting director like Leonardo, these these sporting directors are all powerful figures now. They they need to control everything. They they um, they they look at what's going on at the training ground, in the youth academy, at the women's team, in the men's team as well. And they like to have their people around them. Thomas Tuchel was not Leonardo's man when he came in. And, and so there, the personality, perhaps it was a, not a marriage made in heaven. Am I right to think that Mauricio Pochettino has previously said that he's the sort of manager that just deals with first team players and he lets others get on with background yeah, but work? He had, Thomas he, said he'd like to do that, but that he found that that was impossible at Paris Saint-Germain. It's, look, it's, it's part of the problem in, in modern day football. If you have this setup where you have a sporting director who... Are, you know, oversees everything, notably the the recruitment. The coach knows that if the results don't go his way, he's going to be sacked. So Tuchel's just taken them to a Champions League final. And I can understand from his point of view, they're saying, okay, do at least as well again. But you've got Abdou Diallo playing instead of Thiago Silva, by the way, at the back. Um, you know, he, he has to, to, to defend himself. I want to put it to you, Armel, um, just about, about Pochettino. What, you know, what you said there was interesting. I think he is very much a training ground manager, but... You know, at the end, things soured with uh, with Daniel Levy at Tottenham because, you know, he kept saying, "I need, you know, I need this squad needs investment, and we need new players. And you can't expect me to to keep taking them forward when we're not spending any money." So it sounds know, like a familiar. I think it's the same with every coach. Theme. Yeah. yeah, and we saw Thomas Tuchel when he came in; he was so fresh and so charismatic. Unai Emery, to an extent as well, and very quickly, they they sort of lost the plot, and they and they well lost the plot, maybe not, but they. Their communication changed. Is there any reason it won't be the same story with Maurizio Pochettino? It's impossible to say no. 
because you can understand when you arrive at Paris Saint-Germain seeing the, the, the glitz that surrounds this club with, you know, just Paris being the city it is. I'm sure that when you arrive, you're given a nice little tour in a flashy environment and you think, oh, yeah, these people are, you know, really serious about this and they've got the means to, to really back me up. And then you get to the nitty gritty, you get to the first period where you've got three, four injuries, you're looking for someone to come in, someone big to come in to boost the team again and and you realise you're, you're a football club and you're not just, you know, in some millionaire's mansion. Well, you are also, but it, it's there's a reality to it. So it's impossible to say that the same won't happen to Pochettino. It happens to every manager at every club apart from maybe Real Madrid. It's the, the only exception where they can, you know, bring someone in for 120 million and if he flops, never mind, they pop some money again but um Pochettino does have something that no one in the Qatari era has had well Kumbuari at the beginning and that's he knows the institution he knows how it's worked and I think that's very important to supporters that he was there before the Qatari takeover he he you know he he wore the club's colours back when they were sponsored by Thompson Robbie over That's here right. putting the money in back in the no day. No relation. Oh, yeah. no, I, 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 I think that is incredibly important because I think what's, what's happened at PSG over the last decade is it's very exciting. We've had some incredible footballers, but part of me feels that the heart of Paris Saint-Germain and what this football club represents to, to all of its supporters who are, you know, huge fan base um, has been lost a little bit. And I think Maurizio Pochettino, the fact that he, that he, knows what this club represents. He played for them at a time when they weren't an unbelievable team, but the Parc des Princes was just absolutely electric. And he, he knows the culture. And uh, I'm going to ask you, Robbie, what it was like when you, when you spoke to Maurizio Pochettino, when you interviewed him at the weekend for PSG TV. I've seen one or two extracts and I've seen the way his face lit up when you asked him about memories um, of playing at the Parc des Princes. And, th- th- you know, this is somebody who knows what PSG is about. Absolutely. Just very one last final point on Thomas Tuchel, very, very quickly. Um, I don't think he was sacked because of results. If you're saying, what do you have to do if you've made the Champions League? I don't, I don't think it was about results qualified for the next round and being one point off the top. I think it was more about planning for the future and that this is the time. We're either going to do it now or in four months. Why not make it? Why not make the change now? For Mauricio, um, Really, really lovely guy. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Matt, with the, the history and the, the loyalty and the, those memories of the Parc des Princes. And I think it's, for football clubs all over the world, I think it's a very dangerous period now. We're taking the, the business model to the next level. There are fewer and fewer players that are identified with one club that represent something. And so much of it, so much of the identity of a football club nowadays is the supporters because they are the ones that, that were there in the 1970s, in the 1980s. If you look at English football, there are a few players now like the Lampards that were West Ham, Chelsea and, <laughs> and, and just Steven Gerrard and in, in Italy. I mean, you look at Juventus now, it's Cristiano, but Cristiano does not represent Juventus. There's no more Del Piero. Buffon is still there. But these players that represent something of an identity of a club. In a, in a romantic world, might that also, in, in, perhaps in answer to your earlier question, Matt, make Mauricio Pochettino realise that, well, this club used to be like this and now I've got all of these means, so maybe I shouldn't be 
complaining quite so much. I, d- I don't think that will be the case, but that might be a train of thought at some point. Well, that he knows the history of the club and where, that it hasn't where the club always has come been from. Bringing in 150 million players when in need. Yeah, exactly. But he did play alongside a certain Ronaldinho, for example, mm. when, when in Paris Saint Germain. He left just before Pauletta arrived at, at Paris Saint Germain. In fact, he went the other way. He went and joined Bordeaux. But he's a. I think it's crucially important for Paris Saint-Germain to have this link with its past and to have this integrity with its history and to have players like Presnel Kimpembe, for example, Marco Verratti, who is a Paris Saint-Germain player. His, his entire, almost entire senior career, certainly his, his first division career, is Paris Saint-Germain. He's been there since, since 2012 now. Those, those sort of players are crucial for maintaining an identity. Marquinhos as well, after one season... Uh, in the first division before coming to Paris Saint-Germain. These players, the coach and the supporters, are the identity of Paris Saint-Germain. And it's an identity that has been derided so much by bringing in the Neymars, the Mbappes, the Ibrahimovic's, the, 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 the coaches, the, the Qatari ownership. Paris Saint-Germain has a fantastic identity, has an incredible fan base of passionate supporters, has a history of a Champions League semi-finalist team, of a, a, a Cup Winners' Cup in 1996 even if it's only a Cup Winners' Cup. Absolutely. And I think, and these I, things I, are, and are and I think outside of France, people don't realise that, Robbie. They see that the club was uh, created in 1970, that they didn't win huge number. They won a couple of league titles. And I, th- and I think people, um, people don't realise that outside of France. But it, it is quite interesting what, what you were alluding to. Um, and perhaps it's a trend that we're going to be seeing more and more. You see in, in the Premier League, you've got um, Arteta at Arsenal, Lampard at uh, Chelsea, and I had another very good example. Who's who's the other big club with a former player? Manchester United with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And um, yes, and PSG doing that to an extent with you know with, with a former club captain Maurizio Pochettino. We're going to talk about his methods and the challenges he is facing with this PSG squad. Let's just hear from uh, from Jose Font, who is the Lille captain these days. He's a title rival for for Pochettino and, and PSG this season. But he played under Maurizio Pochettino at Southampton. And uh, the Argentine made a huge impact on Jose Font. Then Pochettino came and completely, you know, blown me away with his ability and with his coaching. And he improved me a lot. He was so meticulous. Intensity, when, when he came into the club, went up two or three levels. Intensity in training, you know, uh, working hard in the gym, doing, doing a lot of gym. He'd prepare you physically, mentally and I mean, it was, it was um, without a doubt, one of the best, best experiences uh, in my career. So, Robbie, Jose Font is talking about just how meticulous uh, Pochettino is as a, as a manager, um, that every single combination, permutation, uh, anything that can happen in a match, the players will be totally aware. They're going to spend a lot of time in front of the video. Uh, they're going to be receiving all sorts of notes. They're going to have individual chats at, at training sessions. It's going to be a cultural change. I know Thomas Tuchel is also, a, you know, a very hard-working, good training ground manager, but the intensity is going to be raised, I think, on the training ground. It's possible. Uh, Thomas Tuchel had this same discourse when he arrived as well. He wanted players that would, a, a team that would play high up the pitch, that would press the opponent, that would transition quickly. For me, it's very similar to what Unai Emery was saying when he arrived as well. Uh, this discourse of modern football is all very similar from one coach to the next. The question is how, how they can do it on the football pitch and how they can relate. Will, as a difference to Unai Emery and Thomas Tuchel, and in a similarity to Ancelotti and Laurent Blanc, 
will Pochettino's more illustrious playing career play a role in that and his relationship with the players? Let's not forget he captained Argentina in a World Cup and as his, well and his, and his charisma, his ability to communicate. I, I think you're right. Unai Emery um, lasted about two or three months in terms of him trying to impose his ideas. And then there was this internal meeting and mm-hmm. Motta leading the charge said, no, 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 we have to go back to 4-3-3. You've got to do it. And, and he basically compromised very early on, on what he wanted. And Pochettino, you know, that's the question. Is he going to get Neymar Mbappe and all the others buying into what he wants to do. This is the first time he will have had a squad, and I know he's had good players, obviously, under under his tutorship, but this is the first time he's got a squad that is two internationals for every position, and they all want to play, and they all know how to play at the highest level, so how how much can you teach them? Even left back? Left back? Two yeah. internationals. Kozawa's an international. Bernat's an international. Bernat, yeah. Well, got out of that one. Has Mitchell Backer played for Holland yet? No. Under 21s. Yeah. Under 21s. Armel, is right, it. Is, right back? Is Kylian Mbappe <laughs> ready to sit down and spend hours studying the off the ball movement, the, the tracking back? Um, you know, because that, that's what is going to happen. So. That's what's going to have to happen. You think so? I know mm. you do, Rob. <laughs> so I'm asking Armel. I mean, I, I think Mbappe is 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 young enough and bright enough, and you know, bright enough to understand that if he listens to this man, because you know, I I think very very highly of Pochettino, and I think he improves players. That's what we've seen um, during his time at Tottenham. In particular, I think Mbappe would benefit. Neymar at his age, his status, I'm not quite sure mm. he's going to change. Mm. Um, but Pochettino will, you know, will have to be intelligent enough to manage Neymar. Well, what, do, I, what do you think? I, I think those two players are obviously the top of the priority list for any manager that would come in and take PSG at the moment. Um, especially the way we've seen Paris play in recent times. Neymar and Mbappe, uh, when PSG have been in, in difficult matches, struggling, have tried to do it alone. And that, for me, is the main thing that Pochettino needs to try and get out from their game if... Harry Styles am I going to win a Champions League? Let's face it, that's that's you know that's his goal. We say this every two years when they get a new coach; they need to win the Champions League. I think also we forget perhaps just how close they were in no, no, in, I, no. in August. I mean, no, no. Thomas Tuchel had that squad very very close to winning the Champions League. I haven't very forgotten close. anyway. No, yeah, good. but in the final, <laughs> we saw Neymar and Mbappe, mainly Neymar, trying to do too much alone, and that's for me. Uh, I think yes, I think Matt, you're right. I think Mbappe has has the capacity to to sit down and and improve his game even if he doesn't go on to use that in in years past working with Pochettino I think he'll be happy to try and learn that part of the game it will only make him a better player I think you're right that Neymar might might be a bit more of a struggle yeah I think the point Matt is is the the best one of your question the point is it's how a coach gets his players to buy into the project Emery couldn't do it in that first three months, those losses to Monaco and then Toulouse, the, the, whether Maxwell and Motta. And Tuchel and those could, guys couldn't do it, Rob, because no matter how much you, you, you like Thomas Tuchel, um, which is clearly quite a lot, um, <laughs> he, you know, he, he, he basically succumbed to player power. And I don't think, I don't think we, can, we can deny that, that, that when Kylian Mbappe was taken off and, and, and got in a strop... Um, you know, Thomas Tuchel was basically not allowed to substitute him again. You know, that that's that's the way I that's the way I saw it. And Neymar basically did what he wanted. I agree, insofar as I think he worked very hard to ensure that the players were 
at their happiest because he saw it towards the end, and I haven't spoken to Thomas about this, but I think towards the end he saw the squad harmony as one of the best ways to get the best out of the squad, to ensure that the players were feeling good. That And look, about the intensity that Pochettino is going to bring to training and all this, all this sort of thing, all these demands, it's not as easy when you're playing every three days without a pre-season. It comes back to that again. You cannot... Everyone's talking about two-hour training sessions of high intensity with Pochettino. Bielsa can't seem to get a squad through a full season with those training methods. This is Pochettino going to try and do it with a squad that have had no pre-season. I mm. think he'll, he will adapt. Rob, job for you. Let's get Thomas Tuchel on the pod and then we can discuss, we can discuss all that in the next few weeks. Okay, I'm, sure, you know, I'm sure you sent him a Christmas card and stuff. So, um, Armel, the question I'm going to put to you if we talk football... Uh, and PSG, we are, we've got lots to talk about, by the way. We're going to be talking about mm. Raymond Dominic, Leon, Leo, transfers. Soon, I think. We are going to end <laughs> our PSG chat. But before we do, my concerns, mm. now, there's a lot to be excited about. My concerns, though, would be that Pochettino's playing style demands exceptional fullbacks and athletic fullbacks. Mm. Um, and it demands high energy pressing in the midfield. And I wonder if Herrera, uh, Rafinha have the legs to do mm. that. Even Marquinhos, who for me is a defender and not 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 a midfielder, so you know that that's still a question. Might Idrissa Gay perhaps will become a more important player um, for PSG under Pochettino? But yeah, the fullback area in particular. I know Juan Bernat is is on his way back, but still I think, a while off. But mm. I think you know Florenzi's turned in some decent performances, but I'm not sure he's top top draw, and and that would be my concern. Yeah, 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 it's true. He did have an exceptional defensive midfielder in Moussa Dembele uh, at Tottenham and then Moussa Sissoko to a point afterwards. So he's probably got to find a Moussa to, to fill in at, at Paris Saint-Germain. But, um, I mean, he's, he's got a wonderful squad to work with. Mm. I think uh, a, a coach a coach of his level, working with players of this level, should be able to, to find a working system. Um, I, I can understand your concerns, but... I, you know, I think if we're already looking for problems before he's put his first eleven out, then we probably I think need any to coach would love to have slow. this squad as well. Yeah, and he's already made potential. he's already made compromises because his uh, his youngest son Maurizio, who played for the reserves at Tottenham and Southampton, well, there's no reserves at Paris, so he hasn't taken him with him. But his other son Sebastiano is now part of the staff, so. At least he has come accompanied. Cheeky, Armel, cheeky. Um, we're going to be talking about Raymond Dominic in a sec, but let's just stick with the top of the table. Um, there is a brilliant title race, a really exciting title race. I was commentating uh, Lille against Montpellier uh, on the 23rd of, of December, and it was a thrilling game, and Lille was so happy to, to have got that victory. In the 97th minute, there was this free kick from Florent Mollet that Mignon just about turned onto the post. And, and Lille survived. And the celebrations, I mean, it wasn't quite like a, a, a trophy win, but they were celebrating that wildly. Clearly, they believe, and I think Leon as well, that the title... I mean, they won't say it, but they've got a wonderful chance to, to win the league title this season. Robbie, who, who do you see, if you put your PSG hat on, who do you see as the biggest threat to PSG's crown? Uh, Leon and, and Lille. No, They're no, no, no. You, you have to I choose mean, one of them. <laughs> choose one of them, Lille. Lille are, Lille are a very big threat, but I think if you ask Rennes, now that they're out of Europe, if they consider themselves a hopeful, Marseille with two games in hand still, where they consider themselves, if you ask Rudy Garcia and the Lyon players, all these teams, all the, the top six, Monaco probably just 
at 27 points, nine points off the top, are too far. Monaco, Montpellier, they're, they're just about cut adrift. But Marseille, with their two games in hand, any of the top five will fancy their chances. Of course they will. We have the, we have the, the history of Montpellier winning the title in 2012. We have Monaco in 2017 that show when you're in the hunt at the turn of the year, confidence is everything. These sides have something to defend. Look at Leicester to give you an upset in the Premier League where, where they had something to defend and it gives them extra legs, extra lungs. Similarities in those um, two seasons you mentioned as well is the last time PSG failed to finish top at Christmas, Monaco won. And the last time PSG changed manager mid-season, Montpellier won. And here's both. Here's so, both, yeah. But <laughs> this could but, be relegation. I get the feeling with, with Marseille we're going to be in April and they'll be 12th and we'll say, but they've still got those two games in hand because um, they do have the games in hand, but they, they, they started quite a lot before Christmas. It's uh, true. We'll, we'll have to see. I don't think personally, I don't think Marseille, Monaco or Montpellier or Rennes are going to be in the mix, but it's great to have seven teams up mm. there. Um, Armel, Lille or Lyon, if we're going to say that, that there's going to be a new champion? I'm glad Robbie said Lille because I would go Lyon. Um, I think Lille, if they lose Sven Botman, which is uh, kind of touch on touch and go at the moment, if we're to believe the wonderful transfer rumour mill, um, I, th- I think Lyon have got a stable squad with some brilliant players in it and they haven't played European football. Lille still are in the Europa League. Lyon haven't played at all in Europe this season, so they've got fresher players. Uh, they've got a squad that seems to be gelling more and more with the wonderful Lucas Paqueta um, only getting better and better. So my tip would be Lyon. Yeah, and uh, last time they finished top at Christmas, 2008. Who won that year? Bordeaux. Lyon. <laughs> Paqueta getting better and better takes me... Uh... Very nicely onto uh, the team of the season, the team of the first half of the season that was uh, debated on uh, on a podcast uh, with our friends, our sponsors, BT Sport. Um, Andy Scott and Ian Holyman, uh, our loyal commentators, uh, were debating with Julien Laurence, the uh, uh, journalist for uh, for BT Sport, and this is the team uh, that they went for. I'll, I'll see if Robbie and Armel agree with this. Mike Menon, the Lille goalkeeper, is there goalkeeper uh leo dubois of leon at right back we go after we go through a player by player yeah okay, go. we're both Sorry. nodding for menu yeah yeah okay both nodding for menu uh back for leo dubois of leon at right back marquinhos of psg and uh, sven botman of leo center backs uh roman perrault of brest left back any complaints there guys right dubois, back. Yeah, yeah not sure about dubois um but i don't know who i'd Put there because exactly. Lille's Celic he, he missed a few games, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, and it wasn't as good as last season. PSG Florenzi, Florenzi's been decent. He's got goals, but uh... overruled. Leo Dubois, okay, midfield. Um, Teji Savanier, Onosuke uh, from Montpellier. Nah. What about Aguilar? First I've, call up to guys, the France national I've moved team. On. You have to respect Ruben Aguilar, Monaco right back. Yeah, no I'd way. Go him. You have to respect the host, please. Teji Savanier of Montpellier. Um, in the midfield with Benjamin André of uh, Lille yes. and Lucas Paqueta, who Robbie wanted to rule out after, after watching him for just 20 minutes in his first game. He said, this doesn't look like a good signing, but Robbie... No, well, I think Lucas we have to Paqueta. find that quote because I said he didn't look at the player and we knew that he was coming off a difficult time at Milan, but that we have to wait and see how the signing was. But at that moment, he wasn't performing and he wasn't performing in those first few matches, but I am the first to agree that he has been excellent in probably since 
the November international break. Since then, top class. Good midfielder. Lucas Paqueta. I think even though he's not uh, challenging in the top teams, I think Gael Kakuta might be uh, a, a little bit upset at not making that midfield three. Who was the first one you mentioned, sorry? Uh, Savanier, Andre, yeah, I think oh, oh, Savanier and Kakuta probably fight it out in a ring. And this is a also a, a hor- horrendous problem, even with us and our, our, our dear colleagues, Andy and Ian. And Andy, I know he's a, a closet uh, PSG fan as well. How can you have any team of the year midfield without Marco Verratti? Just is he's been injured this season, so that's astonishing. That oh, but on, he, should, he just come goes on, straight on to the. He's the first name. He's the best player in France. Okay, up top, um, Kylian Mbappe, Memphis Depay, and Jonathan Bomba. Do we agree, gentlemen? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 I. I. I'm. Yeah sli- or nay? Yeah or nay? I'm slightly disappointed that Andy De- Andy Delors is not in there. Yeah, I'd right, go Gaten Laborde before Andy Delors. What? Probably. What about Boulay? Your man. Yeah, Boulay, but uh, but Rouse are rubbish. So yeah, mm. but, he's, but yeah. it's not easy to score what ten goals now in a in a side that is struggling. Uh, it's a very good. It's a very good team. Do it is. do do keep your eyes on social media for that podcast. Uh, um, that was recorded by our friends BT Sport with uh, Julien Laurence, Ian Holyman, uh, the producer of Le Bourgeois, and Andy Scott. Um, Ian has uh, cooked up a, a déjà vu for you, our loyal listeners. Um, so, so here we go. Can you guess? Yeah, just to remind you, you have to try and guess who I'm talking about. If you think you know, do send us an email, league1podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag on Twitter, déjà vu. Let's go. I was born a stone's throw from PSG's training ground and joined the club at the age of six. I never made a first-team appearance for them, however. My senior debut came in Brittany. Having moved to the capital of Britain, I'm now temporarily enjoying life in Olympic surroundings. Is, is it the capital of Britain? The capital of England? Well, the capital of England. Yeah. I'm not sure if that city is the capital of Britain. Yeah, I wouldn't like to go there, gentlemen. I know the capital, the capital of Australia. If you think you know the answer, um, mm. please do. But do United get, Kingdom has to have a capital city. Yeah, it's, it's lovely. Yeah, great. Sorry, Britain, sorry, Ian. Yes, it was. It was quite right. Um, <laughs> let's move on and talk about one or two other big pieces of news in Liga Eats at the moment. Raymond Dominic is back. So. Uh, just in case uh, for our younger listeners, maybe you don't know who Raymond Domenech is. He he was the France manager from 2004 to 2010. He oversaw um, some of the biggest debacles in the history of French football. He also took Les Bleus to a World Cup final in 2006. But Raymond hasn't coached a team since that 2010 France team went on strike during the World Cup in South Africa. Um, he hasn't coached a club since the early 90s. This is a massive punt from Valdemir Kita, the, uh, the Nantes president um, who sacked Christian Gorkouf just before Christmas. And it's been a tumultuous start for Raymond Dominic because the fans are fed up. A lot of them seem to be fed up with Valdemir Kita's uh, presidency. Um, and Dominic's first training session was accompanied by circus music, all sorts of chants, um, anti-Kita in particular. Um, Armel, is this all... A little bit unfair on Nantes. Is it understandable that they're fed up that Raymond Dominic, who, let's face it, is probably the most hated man in coaching, um, certainly in the modern history of French football, has now been appointed their coach? Yeah, yeah, it is a bit unfair on on, on a club that's got such a history. And I mean, 
He's, he was saying in his press conference that, you know, he's never watched more football matches than since he's not been a coach. So great. That means most of our pod listeners could be not coaches as well in the future. Um, what's he been doing for the past 10 years? He's been doing exactly what we're doing this morning. Podcasts and sitting around tables talking about football. I don't really think that that makes you respected in your first training session. In, in the players' eyes, I for a second don't care about the fans there. Just the players are like, well, I've seen this guy on Keep TV for the past 10 years. Why am I now listening to him telling me how to get past a man? It's it's a really weird one. It's a really weird one. But then Nantes is a really weird club under Valdemir Keita. So, I mean, are we surprised? Not really. But it's quite funny that um, only 10 current Nantes players were born when Dominic was last in charge of a Ligue 1 club, which was Lyon back in 93. And I was looking for some images of him um, in charge of Lyon in the Ligue 1 archive library the other day. And I, I came across a, a game. He lost a, a bunch of his last games for Lyon. And there was just a, the first image to do with Dominic that I found was a, a banner in the stand saying, Lyon's problem, Dominic. We've had enough. Uh- <laughs> Just to rebalance things a little bit, let's uh, let's let's just remind people that this man coached the French national team for for six years, coached the France under twenty ones for thirteen years. There are not many French managers who have um, managed a team to the World Cup final. He's also a legend of Lyon. Perhaps that game you found Armel was at a bad time for him, but he took Lyon up to the first division. He was um, very much the um, the linchpin when Jean Michel Aulas became president. He brought in Bernard Lacombe and. Uh, and Raymond Dominic. So, yes, this man has plenty of uh, negativity around him, particularly after what's happened in the last uh, decade. But, you know, he's not hes not somebody that we're getting in off the street to manage not. No, not, not entirely. But, Matt, you have to... A coach is only as good as his last job and, and, and he hasn't even had a last job for a, for a decade. I mean, that's the, the worrying thing. So much has changed. The, even football, we say it changes, it changes, and the techniques develop, sports science develops, training methods develop, tactics develop. Everything has changed. But when he stopped coaching, we still hadn't had the Barcelona Spanish football revolution. It was just starting 2008, 2010, 2012, when Barcelona and, and Spain were, were world champions and the best. And since then, we've had Germany. And the German coaches in Germany in 2014 in Brazil have, have come through. Football has changed hugely in the it, last it 15 has, years. He hasn't and been it does, cut off. But, he's been the president of the French Coaches Union. He, you know, and yeah, he's done TV, he's done, he's done newspapers. And, and he will carry, and this is sad, sadly to say for him, he will carry the fact that he was part of that 2010 World Cup debacle, as you said in your intro, and, and national team catastrophe that erased all the good work and put all the good work perhaps in the 13 years with the under 21s and with the, the the national team before that in 2006 what will people tell you about Raymond Dominic in 2006 that the France team won the got to the final despite Raymond Dominic well, it depends being who you coach. talked to Robbie you could well, say that's that right. yes. I spoke to Lilian Turam and he said that, that it was Dominic played a massive role and don't you believe for one minute that a team can get to the World Cup without a proper coaching charge but get to the World Cup final let's not forget that the players he's got under his his uh, his arm now at Nantes are all you know roughly 25 years of age and all the good things not all but many of the good things you mentioned like being a linchpin when Olas took over at Lyon and stuff they'll have no idea about and I can't see all of them going through Leon's complete history to find that out. So he's, you but know, do you, he's got. Do you, think, do you think if he talks to Imran Loser and says, um, 
what I did when I when I coached Zidane, I told him to do that, and he explained to me that he prefers to do that. And if mm. he takes uh, Kolo Muani, you know, the fact that he's coached Thierry Henry for what 15, 20 years, um, you know, may, maybe he might have some things to say. I think I think it's a, a horrendous appointment. I'm just trying to play. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to play devil's advocate sure, yeah. a little bit, and he he is he is ultimately, and I'm not saying this in his defence. He is ultimately quite funny. And yeah, when, when, so. when yeah. he was asked, he was asked what he will say if his players ask him about Neissner and the, the strike at the World mm. Cup in South Africa. And he said, I will simply tell them that there's been a very good book written about it and they can buy it 1999 from this uh, from this publisher. It was, it was his mm. book. And that was his book. I think, um, Matt, another thing, apart from what Armel said about the circus, the circus music um, at that first training session, which is quite brilliant. They have a great voiceover Text. and everything yeah. is personalised for mm. Dominic and not so if you can catch that on youtube it is well worth uh, a visit via there um the other thing for for dominic at nantes and nantes in particular is just the way he came out against ranieri when ranieri went to nantes and ranieri was over the we have a, a legal age of the french coaches union which is 65 years you can't coach when you're older than that or it's it, you need a special uh Derogation. Uh, derogation, which is that an English word as well? Derogation, yeah. Yes. yeah. Okay, very good. So you need a special derogation to uh, to coach if you're over 65. And Dominic was super critical of not appointing Ranieri, and now he is 68. with the derogation mm. over the no, over the legal age and Robbie, goes he's back. Explained that it was Matt, all it doesn't big, matter if he explains. He, explained he can explain nicely. You can buy the book for 1999. He explains big, what happened. It was all a but, big misunderstanding. He ah, said. Okay. He, want, he said he wanted to change the rule, and he decided with Joel Muller that they were going to change it. But then he decided that it would be wrong because everybody would say you're only changing it for yourself and Joel Muller. Yeah, it's a load of mm. nonsense, isn't it? A yeah. Load of nonsense. Yeah. Um, not by the way, I haven't said there. 15th, no, they're 16th in the table. They're only three points above 18th position. Precarious. Mm. And, you know, yeah. if results don't go their way, uh, the fans, well, they've already turned on Dominic. It could get hostile. Yep. It, 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 and they are hostile us. fans as they, well. They yeah. have a fantastic fan base, and I don't mean fantastic hostile, but they have a, a great tradition. They yeah. have passionate fans. The Brigade mm. Loire is the, the ultras there in the, in the, the, the Loire end of, of the bourgeois. Um, and they have shown their discontent in the past with uh, Valdemir Kitter in particular. So, uh, yeah. We're going to end the pod with some uh, some predictions. But before we do that, just a, a sort of wrap. We're still early in January. Some transfers starting to come through. William Saliba uh, reportedly undergoing a medical at Nice uh, this morning. The Arsenal uh, centre-back who started his career with Saint-Étienne. He's been frozen out in rather mysterious circumstances at, at Arsenal. Um, Robbie, a good signing for Nice. The thing is with Nice, we've talked about how they've just got too many young players and here they are signing a 19-year-old, albeit a really talented one. Yeah, he's a he's a 19-year-old um, but comes with a different status, if you like, than than the ones they have at the back. I'm, I'm thinking Danilius, who came, the Austrian um, Daniluk, from from Bayern Munich, um, they have Danilo Barbosa, who's a Brazilian, who's a bit older, but he's very good in midfield, I thought, and is only sort of filling in at the back. Uh, Nsoki, who's another youngster, twenty years of age, ex Paris Saint Germain, but again, not that same status. Saliba is, you know, a thirty million euro transfer to one of the biggest clubs in the world. The fact that he comes back on loan, um, desperate to prove himself. I think is uh, 
Um, I'm getting lots of nods and raised eyebrows there. I think Arsenal count as, as of one of the biggest clubs. Of course, one of the biggest clubs, clubs in the world. I'm just surprised that you've come out with it. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard of it's, them. It's his first team experience that he's already got, which makes him a, 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 an asset to yeah, this current he's, he's, team. I, I, you know, I think he's very good. I think yeah. he's had some he's had some problems off the pitch, and there may well be an issue with Arteta that you know Arteta at Arsenal doesn't rate him, or something something he's done has has upset Arteta. I don't know. Something things things haven't been right, but I think he's a I think he's a terrific player. From what I've seen of him at Saint Etienne, I think his presence. Uh, will be really important uh, for Nice. Uh, Stefan Ruffier, by the way, I just uh, read this morning, has had his contract uh, cancelled now by Saint-Etienne. So he's been basically pushed out in what the French say. He's been in the cupboard um, for since the start of the season after or clashing. In the, in the loft. In the loft, after <laughs> clashing with, uh, with Claude Puel. Um, which club is going gonna, is gonna to come in for him? I mean, there's a very good goalkeeper, 34 years of age, who, uh, you know, is, is available. You have to be a club that I think uh, needs a strong character. Strasbourg, perhaps. Strasbourg do they desperately do. need a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kawashima's been getting better, but yeah. if I were to put my money on any Ligue 1 club, it'd be Valorian or Strasbourg. Yeah, Nîmes. Who's, who's in goal for Nîmes? René. Could, could do with a... He's a southern boy, Ruffier, after the, the Monaco years as Look well. Good at, good at the Stade de Costia as well. Prison keeper. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 <laughs> Look, we could uh, we could talk about Moyes Keane perhaps sealing a permanent move to, to PSG. Reports in England that PSG are discussing uh, uh, a transfer fee with Everton. We could talk about uh, Arcadius. Probably discussing could well be discussing for in, in five yeah. months' time as well. But this course. is why I'm saying, yeah. Rob, I don't think it's worth us spending loads no. and loads of time going okay. into, Good. you know, Marseille by all accounts are very keen to sign a number nine and there's rumours that Arcadius Milik um, the Napoli striker, Polish international, uh, could be in discussions with Marseille. But let's, uh, you know, our job's not really to to, to fuel the rumour mill. There are plenty of other uh, Twitter accounts uh, to do that for us. But we'll be talking about the transfers um, throughout the next few weeks, if and when they happen. What we are good at, though, is, is making predictions. Um, and I've got an opportunity to go back on my prediction of Marseille winning the league. Um, before we go for our predicted top fives guys I'm going to go around the table I'm going to ask you who is the player you think is going to uh, leap out at us and become a sensation in the second half of the season Robbie me first up um, I'm going to go with I was thinking Kevin Folland at, at Monaco but already a Germany international already is so I'm going to go with another Monaco player and it's one that Armel and you might be able to guess already Sofian Diop I think he is uh, one to look out for. Very, very highly rated um, and getting better and better this season. And if Monaco are going to do anything this year, which I think they have a big potential to do, we've already spoken about that, I think Sofiane Diop could be could play a key role. Yeah, good shout. I like him a lot, Sofiane Diop. Um, and uh, yeah, he's getting plenty of playing time with Monaco. Armel, who's your, who's your uh, tip? So I think if he continues to play this way and if Lille were forced to sell a couple of players, I think Timothy Weyer could have a great chance of really making his mark on this second half of the season. He's he's made his mark on the end of the first half of the season in the very limited chances he's been given. So I think uh, a little post-it note on Timothy Weyer might be a shout. And uh, there's a player I really like at Angers as well, really young guy, uh, might not even be 17 yet, Mohamed Ali Show. Uh, who spent yes. some time at PSG, yeah. spent some time at Everton, qualifies to play for England and France through his youth time at Everton. 
and he comes on bit part. I did Angers' last game of the of twenty twenty against Marseille. He played fifteen odd minutes in that, and he's got something. He's got something. Okay, well, I'm going to go a second. Show is a great name. Yeah, it is a great mm. name. I'm going to go a second one as well. Then um, Terem Mofi at Lorient, Nigerian striker. Um, haven't seen too much of him, but if Lorient <laughs> that would, that's to, reassuring. Uh, that would, ex- that would <laughs> explain. No, but what, but what I have seen, I think he could. Uh, he's 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 not a bad player. Look out! Yeah, for we him. we mocked you when you went for Boulay Dia last year, and we shouldn't have. So yeah, I won't mock you exactly. with uh, with Mofi, but. Yeah, he's not looked great when I've seen him, but you know, but at the same time, he's kept Adrian Gerbic out of the team uh, when Gerbic uh, mm. has has been available. I'm going to go for a player that I really loved before he got injured, and uh, an, in, an injury hampered his progress. Arba Zanelli, who is fit again and playing quite regularly at rounds. So I think second half of the season. Um, now he's had the break, and he'll be sort of you know in in good physical shape. He's a cost of an international. is so talented, and he's only 25 years of age. Um, and yeah, really skillful. Yeah, good a player who mm. could uh, who could come alive in the second half of the season. Now, next predictions: um, which manager is going to get sacked first? We've had a few sackings uh, this season so far. Robbie is looking uh, blank as if he hasn't done his research. So I'll start with uh, with Armel. Uh, Raymond Dominic, I think, <laughs> will be the first to go come uh, late February. And uh, if that isn't the case, then I think I think Christophe Pelissier might be in a bit of trouble at Laurie. I know it's only his second season but you know they were champions of, of Ligue 2 last term we see what Lens are doing having come second in Ligue 1 last season Lens are doing fantastically well as a promoted team and Lorient just aren't more worryingly than their results which can happen as a promoted team they're not they're not really able to play the, the football that he's hoping to play and that's costing them points so I, I think Policier might be in a bit of trouble well, I, I I did have one, but I, I the blank look on my face was one of of you know that I don't like picking out players and coaches to to wish them all the worst, like losing their jobs. Give them time. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to give Jerome Arpinon a little bit of time to try and turn around Nim's season, but um, I think he's he's a, a a coach that the step up maybe was was too great. We see someone at Lens like Franck Ez, who the step up was was one that he was waiting for, that he was clearly ready for, and everything has clicked for them. For, for Arpinon at Nîmes, I think it was just a well, little bit also, too high. Also, Rob, he just, he just wears a tracksuit all the time. I mean, you know, he doesn't look like a league yeah. manager, does when, he? When they lost to Dijon in their last game of, the, of 2020, most managers would, you know, like throw a bottle or something. His reaction said a lot. He pick up the cones, which, which is yeah, quite exactly. funny. Yeah, exactly. That's he's the still, thing. Where, <laughs> he's yeah. still he's got like that very much coach. coach. Exactly. Yeah. He's mm. a... He's a like Pochettino, he just wants to coach yeah, on the yeah. pitch and he's not made... His post-match press conferences are fantastic. I often yeah, sit and wait and listen yeah. to them because they're, they're really interesting. Get out, Mom. Talks. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're interested, I'm going for Thierry Lorry, which may come as a little bit of a surprise, but Strasbourg's struggling this season. They've got the players to be doing better than they're doing. And I think Thierry Lorry has been a phenomenal manager for, for Strasbourg, but I think... I don't know if he's in his fourth, good things come fourth to an season end. or yeah, it's kind of like the cycle has come to an end, and he's just not—he's just not managing to motivate the players anymore. And we do love Thierry Lurie. You know, talk about watching press conferences. If I had to choose, I'd probably watch Thierry Lurie. I, very entertaining, but his team's not doing very well. Next category: Who is going to finish as, as the top scorer in uh, League One? Armel's pointing at me. I want you it to go be, first and say Benedetto be, again. Want me to go? Well, Benedetto has started scoring. It's a good shout, but I'm not sure I'll go for him. Robbie, who are you going to go for? Can, uh, I, can, can I just give the latest standings? Uh, Mbappe, 12 goals. 
Boulardier, 10. Toko Ekombi, 9. And then we've got Delors and Depay with 8. I'm going to go, well, an easy one is, is Mbappe. Um, I'm not going to go Boulardier. I, I, Kevin Follon missed out on, on surprise packet of the second half of the season, so I'll give him a, a, a shout at He's a few goals behind. I think he's got six. Yeah. So far, seven. seven. So he's, yeah, well, he's got a few more in him this season. Okay. Well, that's a, yeah, outlandish. As does uh, Wissam Benyetta, of so course, as well. Do you think Kevin well, Volland but... will finish league on top scorer? Oh, goodness. Kylian Mbappe. <laughs> Mbappe. 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 <laughs> oh, no. It's difficult to look past Kylian Mbappe, but if I had to give, you know, the one that my, my heart would like to see, just for reasons to it being a bit unusual, I'd go with Tino Caduere. First season in Ligue 1, he's looked... He's looked brilliant, and this Lyon team are only going to push. He's their centre forward. Moussa Dembele's broken his arm. Go on, Tino. All right, I'm going for a Lyonnais, the skipper, Memphis Depay. Lyon to win the league title. That's Memphis. going to need a lot of penalties, Matt. But Memphis, Lyon do get a lot of penalties. Memphis to score 28 <laughs> goals and to leave, penalties. to leave for Arsenal on a free transfer in the summer. You heard it first here on Le Bourgeois. Before we go, before Robbie and Armel stand up and leave the room in disgust, and my prediction, we'll just have a, a quick look at the upcoming games and we'll decide where we want to go. It's time for a bon voyage. So we have a full round of matches coming up this Wednesday night. I'll uh, give you one or two of the uh, of the big ones. There are some interesting matches, actually. Um, 9 p.m. Uh, in France, we have Saint-Etienne against PSG. Maurizio Pochettino's first game on the PSG bench. Lille are at home against Angers. That's also at 9 p.m. Uh, local time in France. Um, and we have, do we have a big 7 o'clock? Yes, Raymond Dominic's first game, 7 p.m. French time. Nantes against Rennes. It's a, it's a Breton derby. You can watch these games in the U.K., Live on BT Sport, Nantes against Rennes at uh, 6 p.m. in the UK this Wednesday. Saint-Étienne PSG, 8 p.m. in the UK. Armel, where do you fancy going on Wednesday night? I'd hate to disappoint. Now and Ed against Roazon, the Breton derby. And, I, I don't know, Raymond Dominic's big bushy eyebrows deserve a trip to trip west, don't they? It's Since like the, 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 it's the old against the new, isn't it? Dominic against uh, Julien Stéphane. Funny that, because one of them's been around a while and the other's brand new to the game. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Robbie? Marseille-Montpellier for me. I'm looking to uh, just see how Marseille, if they can steady their ship um, against the pirate ship from Montpellier, mm-hmm. as we spoke about last time. Well, I've been thinking a lot about my, my pirate ship analogy of uh, Montpellier. And I think there are, every time I think about their players, I think more and more that they, they really are a band of pirates. So there you go. Well, I was um, down in Marseille over Christmas, and I, I can confirm it was really windy. So there's a lot of mistral. So if they are going to steady that ship, mm-hmm. it's going to take some um, Charlie Dallin-esque sailing. Bit of a sailing reference there. Charlie Dallin is currently second in the in the Vendée Globe in the Round the World. Uh, I can't I'm, pronounce the I'm name. I'm glad you explained that. The guy who's winning, Yannick Verstaven, I think. I'm not very good at pronouncing his name. But mm. anyway... Um, sticking to the football, I'm going to go to Saint-Étienne because I'm fascinated by uh, this PSG move with Pochettino. I want to see um, how he's going to set his team up, how he's going to get them playing. Uh, Saint-Étienne will, of course, be full of running, full of determination and will make it difficult for PSG. So I think that'll be interesting. Claude Puel was just starting out in his coaching career when uh, Pochettino when was playing, was playing yeah. here yeah. in, in, in He'll have a few tips about how best to use his sons in the squad as well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this, this Saturday, 
um, another round of matches. They just keep on coming. Uh, it's round 19, and they're all taking place at 9 p.m. on Saturday night. We've got PSG against Brest. We've got Rennes against Lyon. That's a, a fascinating clash. Uh, any others jumping out at me? Poor old Neem, bottom of the table. They're at home against Lille. Uh, that'll, be, that'll be a tough one. But of course, we'll um, be looking back at all of that action next week. Um, we do hope you've enjoyed our um, bit of an extended pod, our, a comeback pod to talk about all the comings and goings at, at, at PSG in particular. Um, have a great week. Keep safe and, and we'll, we'll see you or at least um, hopefully you'll hear us again uh, next week. Absolutely. We'll be here. We'll be and, here. Uh, enjoy we'll be here. your week of French football, everyone. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks, Armel. Uh, we'll see you again soon, everyone. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, Benyatta. Beautifully done.